The Complete History of Croivois, 1814, Part 1. Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a 1v1 horror actual play podcast. I'm your host and RPG-loving friend, Blaine. Before we get into things, reminder that I have a Patreon. It's over at patreon.com slash Martin. Just recently updated the tiers, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that quick. $1, you get access to articles that I'll be posting at least once a month, hopefully a few times. These will be articles about horror, gaming, and things of that ilk. At $5, you'll get playtest copies of all the games that I work on and a free final PDF of any finished games I produce for itch.io. At $10, I will send you a weird little artifact and a short story about it twice per year. At $20, I will run a play-by-mail game for you, and the weird artifacts that you get will be incorporated into that game. Finally, at $25, you'll get two hours of meetings with me to discuss a game you're designing, a campaign you're running, a piece of writing you're working on, anything like that. Please check it out. Even $1 a month helps me operate this podcast. On that note, I want to say thank you to Cassandra Connors for joining my Patreon. It means so much that you want to help me keep making You Are Not Alone. If you want to recommend a game, be a guest, or just say hi... You can email me at youarenotalonepod at gmail.com. Reach out on Twitter at notalone underscore horror. I'd love to hear from you. We're going to talk more about what's going on with You Are Not Alone in the actual episode, so we're going to jump right in. This week, we are going to be doing some setup for a future arc that will be happening on You Are Not Alone. And joining me is the, the stalwart companion that will join me on this very strange adventure, a voice you have heard before, one Chris Zumsky. Why, hello, everybody. How are you doing, Chris? I'm fine. The bourbon is flowing like wine, and the salmon are flocking like the something of Capistrana, and I'm butchering that. There we go. Oh, gosh. This is the quality <laughs> that you're going to be getting here. Oh, it's going to be so good. Uh, we are both coming off of colds, so we are even more gravelly than normal. Yes, gravelly, slightly more nasally. So have fun with that, listeners. I apologize if this gets insufferable. Just hit us with a phaser or something to get it sounding proper. So we, uh, I came to you a, a little while ago with an idea. I got a playtest copy of the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press, which uses Robin Laws' gumshoe system and is based heavily on the works of Chambers. And I wanted to do something... A little bit weird with it. What? Never. Me, never me with the weird horror. Shocking. But we released a couple teasers um, that I'm sure were probably very confusing for the audience. May have been a little bit too abstract. You know, I like them. Uh, In the end, they'll look back and be like, oh, okay, that, that, that did make sense. Yeah, and I said it would make sense soon. Or later. Or later. <laughs> and I'm. I, we're going to have some tie-in games that kind of bring 
other points in time to this story, but the main story is going to be split between, I think we decided on 1906 and 1947. Yeah, right around there. I'm going to be running the scenes that are set in 1906. You're going to be running the scenes that are set in 1947. And we're going to have this story that kind of jumps around in time quite a bit. Which will be a little weird, but I'm going to try to make sure through the magic of editing that it makes sense. It makes some level of sense. But we wanted to set it in a town in France. And we had kind of thrown around a couple real towns and then quickly decided that neither of us know enough about France. (laughs) About rural France and the southern part of it. No, not so much. So we decided uh, if we have any Francophiles in our audience that might get pissed off by us just going hog wild. We're just going to create our own then. Exactly. Which I think it will be more interesting and let us create a town that does exactly what we want it to do. Yes. We're going to create our own Dairy Main slash Castle Rock area of the... Yeah, and both of us, both of us as Stephen King fans, I think uh, it makes more sense also just for us to make our own thing. Oh yes, no, we got to create our own little screwed up part of France, which neither of us have visited, sadly. Now, one day it is on my bucket list, but mostly just to eat runny cheese and and drink port. But so we are going to. Before we actually jump into the King in Yellow, have a couple weeks where we play games that will create this town. In the first, we are going to use The Quiet Year by Avery Outer, which is, if anyone's listened to Refugees of Esmeralda, you've heard me gush about this game. It is one of my favorite games of all time. And I think it's really great for this kind of world building, where we'll, we'll get a little weird with it. In the quiet year, normally, you play a civilization that is just out of a kind of an exodus away from a gang of raiders, and you are playing through 52-ish weeks of relative peace, where you are trying to rebuild your society, and you are awaiting the coming of the Frost Shepherds. And there is a Frost Shepherds card somewhere on the deck near the bottom that signifies the end of the game. In this, uh, much like I did in Refugees of Esmeralda, the Frost Shepherds will be more existential threat than just this group that comes and re-eradicates these, these survivors. So we will kind of decide, I think later in other games, we've talked about playing Microscope and a couple other games that let us build out the history of this town, we'll kind of decide what the Frost Shepherds really were when we do that. But so in the quiet year, we each will take turns. We draw cards that ask us difficult questions about our society. They usually give you two different options. You choose one of them and you answer the question. And then you take an action and your action can be discovering something new, which is something odd on the map that was unknown before. You can hold a discussion in which you just talk about some active project on the map and see about what the people in your town think about that. Or you could start a project, which is building something or going to explore something. Uh, When you start a project, you decide how long it will take between one and six weeks. And you put a die on that. Each turn, those dice tick down. 
And whenever the die hits zero, you take your turn saying exactly how that project worked out. In the beginning, we take turns. We have a large sheet of paper in front of us. We add some geography to the map at the start of the game. And then we establish some resources that are important to our community and figure out which ones we have in abundance and which ones we have in scarcity. And that will kind of influence the tone of the the game and the things that we as a community strive for. So I think that's a, a pretty good summary for anyone listening who hasn't played The Quiet Year. If you haven't, I highly recommend picking it up. I have a, a special little kit that I carry around for The Quiet Year. Chris just rolled his eyes at me, which is warranted. That involves uh, the deck of cards and the rule books, some dice, a compass. That's a cool old-timey compass that our friend Ben gave me for being the best man in his wedding. And then uh, contempt tokens. <laughs> Tiny little seashells. Which in this game represent, there's no mechanical benefit to contempt tokens. They are a thing you take when you feel your voice in the community has not been properly listened to. And so I decided to go real weird with my contempt token. So it's a, a little bowl with a heart on it full of tiny little seashells. It's the bowl of hate. <laughs> you can taste the contempt coming off these little shells. Anywho. So I am going to take a look at where North is. Damn, I'm good. For all of our non-video viewing cast, which is nobody, I accidentally pointed north in the right direction. No, that is actually west. North is like... Uh, West. There. Dang it. I just like to get true north very vaguely represented on the map. So right now, in addition to bumping the microphone with my eyeglasses, I am... Putting True North on the map. And so now we will start. By banging into the microphone. Yes, continuously banging into the microphone. I'm far too sober to be doing this. Well, we have the solution to that problem. We are going to start. Because it's only the two of us, we are each going to take two turns in the introductory phase. So, Chris, I'm going to ask you, what is one feature on this map? Mm, You know what? A river. It's always a good start. Always a good. And I think this will I think this will cut right through the town going east to west. I like that. So Chris is drawing a squiggly line and now a second squiggly line directly down uh, east to west the middle of our sheet of paper. I can do squiggly lines. Oh, so. Whenever I play this game with people, I try to have uh, an example map around because I think people get really scared when they're told they have to draw on the map. And I want to be able to show them, like, look at some of our shitty old maps. Like, none of us are good artists. We have a couple good artist friends uh, who are always the ones who end up taking, like, ten minutes to draw something. So I'm going to add to this map an old monastery. Ooh. So I'm going to make this on the south side of the river. And I think it's a monastery that probably used to be significantly bigger, uh, multiple buildings. Mm. Um, but all that remains is the one kind of large central cathedral 
It is not an ostentatious cathedral necessarily, um, but the the area where they came to worship. And then also a little bit of wall, kind of, most of the wall has crumbled away, but there are a few sections. That is really big. Yeah, it was. I think the. Let's cut that scale down by about a quarter there, bro. I think the walled section is fine, uh, but the building itself is. Monolithic? Because if this is a river. <laughs> So I think, like I said, I think the walled section is probably fine. It was a once a large property. Yes, yes. All right. With multi- oh, sorry. Uh, I was just saying, yeah, with multiple buildings originally in it and all that. Yeah, so there's the the wall itself takes up a good chunk of the south side of the river. Yeah. But now the, the monastery's chapel is appropriately sized. Yes, yes. All right, so our, our, your second feature. Second feature, it will be a... Worn away, elaborate, not uh, what could have been elaborate at some point, stone circle. Okay. What the locals believe used to be uh, druidic in nature. Okay, that makes sense. That's The Gauls did come uh, from this part. And I'm just drawing some random squares mostly and rectangles and no specific pattern. Or at least none that you can tell as of right now, because some of them might have fallen over with time. That's, that's a nice size. That's in the kind of northwest west corner. Let's do Get continue, continually screw up our directions. All right, so I think for my second feature, I'm going to make an old stone bridge that's still standing... I don't know if it's necessarily a bridge that's still in common use, but it connects the north and south, south. sides of the river. Makes sense. Um, kind of close to the monastery, so this was probably built by the monks Yes, the whenever they existed river. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows, maybe to get to the stone circle. Yeah. Or to defile the stone circle, I suppose. There's all sorts of options. Oh, yes, yes. So the next thing we need to do is come up with a list of resources that are important to this group. Actually, let's before we do that, let's talk a little bit. So this is going to be a group of French folks who have were pushed out for some reason or another of their original home mm-hmm. and now resettling in this area. Our games are going to be set in the early 20th century. I imagine this is probably going to be a decent ways before that. Yes. So what what year do you think this is? This has got to be happening because if we're setting your story in 1907, we probably want this to establish a town, say, in the like 1820s, maybe something along yeah, those so lines. So like 80, after, after whatever happens that kind of messes with these people, there's another 80 years before. Correct. Yeah. Which is enough time to build up. It's going to be a university town. So have at least two generations is what yeah. I'm thinking. Perfect. So let's call it 1820. And what happened to these people that caused them to leave? Was it political or religious differences? Was it that they were attacked? I'm trying to think what was the 
in the time of 1820 in France, what was happening? It was let's uh, let's visit Wikipedia real quick. That was uh, that was still during the French monarchies. So I'm trying to think if the English were probably still pestering them and could have potentially been looting and burning, and if they migrated from eastern France to the more central area, that could work out. Yeah, let's see what if there are any major events. Dukes of Berry, the nephew of the king, is assassinated by a fanatic. El de Cazes is held indirectly for the crime by royalists and is forced to resign from the government. Ooh, this, uh, this would be uh, the first French empire under Napoleon. It happened from 1804 to 1814 and 15. Okay, so it's so, just after. We could do 1814 or 15. Yeah, you know what? Let's do that. Let's do like eighteen fourteen and just say they were, say, supporters of Napoleon. And run out of and wherever they were previously. Alright, so it's eighteen fourteen. A group of people who had supported Napoleon were run out of whatever town they originally were from. Yeah. And are now forced to relocate and rebuild in this quaint little valley. I don't know if it's a valley, actually, but this quaint little, quaint little area with an old monastery. It's a good place to set up and live temporarily yeah. while you build other buildings. I kind of imagine it in the valley with the river running right through the middle. Maybe some mountains and hills and whatnot. Kind of off the map, yeah. far enough away. It's a very large valley. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right, so what we need to do now is establish four resources that are important to our community. Hmm. So what is one thing that is important uh, to this group of exiles? Well, because they're exiles, it's far enough away from most large cities and towns. I would say solitude would probably be a resource. That's a good... I always like to have at least one that's kind of existential. Ben is always good for that. He always adds faith or love or something... Some other silly nonsense like love. All right. So I think that because they are exiles rebuilding, I'm going to go super simple and just say food. Mm. So one more resource that's important to this community. Well, we can cite the river for water, fresh water. So So that'll probably be our one that is in abundance. Yeah. To start. So let me think. I think. I'm going to say books. I'm going to say that maybe this was a group of individuals who were learned um, for the most part. Not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily have to be all of them, but there's a core group who are teachers or artists or. Yeah. Artisans, teachers, what middle class existed. Yeah. That were of uh, support of Napoleon that probably had the money and means to flee. Yes. And because they had they had to flee relatively quickly, they probably brought like a few important books with them, but yes. that is not something that they had the time or means to grab a bunch of and bring with them. Yes. All right. So now we have to pick one of these that is in abundance, which I think water, unless we want to say that for some reason uh, the river is polluted. 
I think that would uh, water. I mean, that's a, that's an easy one to do. We'll just do that. Perfect. So, water is our abundance, which means that solitude, food, and books are all scarcities. So now, what we have to do briefly is draw something that is representative of this uh, on the map. Our abundance of water. I don't think we necessarily need to. Nailed that already. Unless we want to draw maybe like a small building or something that is where, like maybe the monks had something set up that captured the water uh, like more a, easily than just having to like go get buckets of water from the river. And you just have a, a well right here. Yeah, that's a good idea. They dug a well that connects. Drawing a well very poorly. While talking into a microphone. So I think what I will do to draw... Now we have to draw our scarcities. So I will take a turn to draw a scarcity of food. Which I think what I'm going to do is in the confines of the monastery grounds. I'm going to draw some plots of land that were probably gardens once. Mm. That are overgrown with vines and weeds. So I'm just drawing two small rectangles and some squiggly lines to represent that if we want to grow food here, it's going to take some work. So now <laughs> this is the draw solitude. This in is scarcity. the problem with I love the more existential things, but trying to draw either an abundance or scarcity of them can be difficult. Well, with the abundance of solitude, we wouldn't need to draw anything. Yes. <laughs> the uh, the one thought I had looking at that is maybe draw a road. That just represents that, like, this you place is relatively easy to get to. We could draw a crossroads. There you go. And we'll have it coming off the bridge. I want to make some of these roads a little less straight because they wouldn't be straight in the 1800s. Also a road. Yeah, we'll have to, uh, once we finish this game, we'll have to give this map to Athena and be like, make this pretty so we can show it to people. Make this usable. We are not artists. Mm, yeah, no, no, not at all. And there's the road to the monastery. Yes, perfect. That's how I wouldn't describe it. Now I have to figure out how to draw a... A book scarcity. A scarcity of books. You know, I'm going to do... Li the, a, a librarian weeping. The ruins of a building. Some collapsed beams. That this used to be where the monks copied manuscripts and... Had all their scrolls. Had and all their scrolls and old books and whatnot. And it is destroyed. It's the best I got. It's not a bad one. I think it'll... You could have drew a little bonfire. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I actually am stealing that idea from Ben. Because there's the one time he picked Faith. And it was under scarcity. One. And I was like, how, how the hell are you going to represent an abundance or a scarcity of faith? And he drew a collapsed church. 
was like, that's actually a brilliant yeah. idea. Like, that is well well done, sir, yes. on uh, figuring out how to take something that I had no assumed that there was no way you could possibly do. <laughs> All right, so that is our initial town. I'm going to take a picture of this, and we'll probably post some our, our art progress pictures for people. And then, like I said, I would actually like to see if Athena would want to take this once it's done. And uh, make like a pretty it up a, a better artist's rendition of a map <laughs> of a map because that is not our skill set. Just the fixing the scales alone would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to. And that's make something that, that river kinda, wider, the roads a little more road like. <laughs> you know, it's close enough. It's so now we have our map. We have our starting abundance of water our starting scarcities of solitude, food, and books. We know that this is 1814 in kind of central France near the German border, and we are a group of Napoleonic supporters who are chased out of their town. Would you like to take the first turn, or would you like me to? Why don't you leave us off? All right. So, again, each turn we draw a card from the deck. It asks us a question. We answer it. One thing that's going to be a little bit different with this game, I should say, uh, for people who have played The Quiet Year and are listening, generally in The Quiet Year, you don't really do much in the way of role-playing out scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, you you just act as the town, and the closest you get to role-playing out scenes is holding a discussion where you just speak as a member of the society on a topic. But because this is us building a world, we're going to take a couple moments throughout the game where we've introduced certain characters that we think are particularly compelling or have particular events occur that we think are interesting and role play out just a quick scene with that to uh, for us to kind of get in the mindset of this town. So I don't know how often that will happen, but we'll see what looks good. We'll at least get one or two at the very least. Ooh, this is an interesting first card. I don't think I'm going to go as dark as I would normally go in this game, though. What? Uh, we need to make a town that's at least somewhat livable. <laughs> oh, so yes, that's right. We can't actually destroy this like we normally do. <laughs> it's probably it's still not going to be good, but it's got to be livable, habitable. Yes. So an old piece of machinery is discovered. Broken, but perhaps repairable. What is it? What would it be useful for? So I think that in this corner of the monastery grounds, we find, again, a kind of collapsed building Mm -hmm. that's got some old plows that are, some of them are dulled, some of them the blades have fallen off entirely, but we think that we could probably use them as a base to then go back and start plowing the fields that are fields. Okay. My turn? Uh, no. So now I do an action. Ah. So I think that I am going to start a project and it feels pretty imperative for us to work on this whole scarcity of food thing pretty early on. Sounds about right. So I am going to have a few of the more skilled folks work on trying to start repairing those plows. Okay. So I think that's probably 
maybe a two or three week project. I don't think it's one week. I think it's going to be too much work for one week. I would say, let's say two, because we had said this is like a group of artisans, slightly educated people. Yeah, so, so there's got to be a couple people who could find some stones and sharpen the blades and uh, re- find ways to blacksmith. Re- yeah, find ways to reattach some of the blades and make some workable, yeah. workable plows. So we'll say that's a two week project. So now it is your turn. So you okay. draw a card from the deck. Uh, mm. Someone new arrives. Who? Right out the gates. Right out the gates. Gosh. Um. Let us say it is a fellow supporter of Napoleon. A one of his uh, one of his generals, maybe, or a captain that was in his army. All right. Uh, what is their name? Probably should have printed a list of like French names. French names. Uh, hold on, I'm I'm gonna look that up real quick. See if there's something that just catches my eye. Let's go with Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> no, <laughs> Andre Melas. Just taking some French names and mashing them together. That works. So Andre Malas was a general in Napoleon's uh, army. Let's go with like a, a ca- like captain. a captain. Yeah, some m- important, but not too important. Correct. Like he could have escaped basically yeah. without getting his head cut off. All right. So we now have Andre Milas, the a captain from Napoleon's army. How does he join? How 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 does he show up? I'm going to say he shows up uniform, torn and ragged, his horse foaming at the mouth, like near death. He has basically, he has, he has fled the, the revolutionaries and has somehow escaped with his life. But if he didn't show up in this particular town, he probably would have ended up dead. Yeah. It's lucky for him. All right, so this ticks down to one, and now you pick an action to perform. Hmm. I'm thinking, I'm going to think, let's let's start a new project as well. Okay. Because should we worry about scarcity or, you know what, we had argued that there were a bunch of different artisans and whatnot. I'm going to start a project where they're going to start working on the old library. All right. I think that I, I think that's probably... It's more of a long-term project. Yeah, I would say at least three weeks, but maybe... I don't think it's a full six. No. Particularly because... So what I'm thinking is that these walls that are pretty much crumbled away yeah. give us a good amount of building material yeah. to so, rebuild. Let's say four weeks. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, particularly if we have a bunch of artisans, we have the materials needed pretty close by. Yeah. I would imagine if we had a group of five or six people, we could rebuild a library in four weeks. Especially if it's nothing fancy. Yeah. And if there's still a significant amount of structure left. Yeah. Perfect. Hmm. There's a giant man-made structure on the map. Where is it? Why is it abandoned? We 
already had two of those. <laughs> so I think this is going to be a mill. That is that is very tempting, um, <laughs> but I don't necessarily want to rehash too much old ground. Yes, I think that out here there is a perfectly intact stone building. We don't necessarily know this, but this building was the original chapel for the monastery. And they built it before they built any of the other buildings, before they built the walls. And I don't want to spoil too much, and I don't necessarily want to spell out too much, but for some reason, the monks at this monastery decided that this building was unusable. Mm. And they actually, there's no doorway in. Because they filled the doorway with stone so that no one could enter in. But they didn't tear it down. It's just there. So it is a box. There's no windows. There's no doors. It is just a stone building with no entrance. That's suitably creepy. That's what I do. All right, so your project takes down to three weeks. My project finishes, which I think is pretty simple. We uh, we repaired the plows. I'm drawing a little... I think maybe there are probably some plows in there that are like animal pulled and then some that are like human pushed. Yeah. And we focus on the human pushed ones since we don't have any beasts of burden. Okay. But we repaired two or three plows so that we could now use them potentially to cultivate the garden. I don't want to do another project right away because we've already done two in a row. Yeah. And I feel like we've discovered a lot of new stuff already through the cards. So I'm going to hold a discussion. Okay. It's going to be a potentially simple discussion. Uh, so the way discussions work in the quiet year is that I choose to either start with a statement or start with a question. If I start with a question, you answer first and then I answer. If I start with a statement, I say something first and then you respond. I just want to ask, what should we try to grow in the garden? This is 1814. I don't think corn was a thing back then. At least the kind that were grown. That was yeah. an import from the Americas. So. Yeah, so I mean, there might be corn in certain rich areas, but more, more likely in England mm. than in France, I would guess. Part of me wants to say grapes. This seems like the right climate for them. Yeah, you know. That wheat. Wheat? Wheat. Let's do wheat. I think we should probably start with something like squash. Uh, like a vegetable? Just something that's a little bit more hearty. All right. So Pump, that is... Some, some pumpkins? Maybe some pumpkins. Maybe some summer squash. Well, it's spring. So... Yellow squash. Some peas. But something a little bit more hearty. Potatoes. I mean, wheat could be used for a lot of stuff, but that's more just pure carbs. We don't need pure carbs. I was thinking beer. Touche. All right, so that's my my turn. All right, then. I should look on. Hmm. What important and basic tools does the community lack? 
basic tools. I'm thinking, well, we just fixed a bunch of plows, so. And are rebuilding a building, so I feel like those kinds of, like, basic. We've shown we have those, I guess. Yeah, carpentry-type tools, I feel like we, we have yeah, to carpen- retcon some stuff to yeah. say we don't have. So we have the carpentry, we have the smithy tools. So what other basic tools for communities could we be lacking? Um, Seeds. A diversity of, I guess, yeah, seed or. I mean, that will fuck with our attempts to remove food as a scarcity. But I mean, it's it's potentially a legitimate. Yeah, because I'm I'm thinking 1850s or 1814. There's your basic com- commodities are food, water, and shelter. Yeah. And I mean, we could go with something too that like we already talked about, like beasts of burden. We don't have any You know, of those. we don't have those. That, that'll be the comments what we do not have is a lot of beasts of burden. Yeah. I mean, I imagine we probably maybe have a couple, like we have at least a couple Andre of horses. Milos's horse and yeah. maybe a couple other, but like if we have like predominantly riding horses that we use to escape, They're, those yeah. aren't great plow horses. Exactly. Um, so we might have a couple horses that we could use to go places, but not really in a pinch. We could strap them to a plow, but it wouldn't be great. And we probably don't have like a lot of sheep or anything for food, per- like sources of meat, yeah. if you will. Yeah, that's definitely going to be part of like if we get rid of the scarcity of food by growing vegetables, we're going to have to separate that out because... I don't think we really, outside of the couple of horses we have that we could kill and eat. Yeah, that's... I don't think we really have cows or no. sheep or anything. Maybe a couple of chickens. Local wildlife. Yeah. Deer, perhaps. All right, so this ticks down to two, and you perform an action. I think um, your creepy little stone building is, I want to do, discover something new, is going to have a forest obscuring it, growing around it some. Okay. So that probably, like, our townsfolk have not necessarily noticed it yet. Or if they had, they got to get kind of close. That makes sense. I'm to draw some, we'll draw some couple, happy little trees. Happy little trees over here. Those are some very happy trees. Obscuring your creepy little building. <laughs> it's hurtful. You made it that way. <laughs> All right. You need to build out our map a little bit. I think I'm going to answer, what is the most beautiful thing in this area? Which I'm going to do in kind of the far uh, southeast corner. Because we talked about this being a valley. I'm draw a couple mountains. And there's this particular peak, this dual peak in the front. That the way that the sun shines through it at certain times of the day creates just this gorgeous, kind of perfectly cinematic dual mountain tops with mountains further behind it that just creates this really beautiful view. Yeah, specifically because you put them in the, the east there, so it's in the morning. Yeah, as the sun rises up over them, it just creates this incredible, is it? Paramount that has the mountaintops as they're like Paramount, yeah, I think like those kinds of like snow-capped, beautiful mountains. This ticks down to one. You're very close to having a library. Man, are we hungry? I think that 
I'm going to start a pretty basic project, which is going to be to use the plows that we fixed to till the earth of the gardens and get those to a point where we can start growing. That's a weak project. Yeah, I don't think that's a terribly long one. All right, so draw a card. Hmm. What belief or practice helps to unify your community? Oh. What could go wrong with that? Oh, nothing. Oh, gosh. What belief? Hmm. I think that the belief that we are separate from the the, the rest of France. It's, our, it's basically an insular community because of who we used to support, Emperor Napoleon, but he has been cast down, so it is, we are now... If they don't like him, we don't like you? We are... It's not necessarily a belief in him anymore. It's a belief in ourselves because we continue to stand for what we believed in in the past, and we're not going to bow to what others think just because it's what they believe. I like it. Yeah. It's a good... Yeah. It's it's a, it's a good basis for some really messed up thinking. Yeah. Yeah. What could go wrong with that? All right. So your library is finished. Tell us about that. Well, basically when our, our group of refugees fled from Paris and all the other major cities of France and banded together on the roads... They fled with, you know, some of their most prized texts. Some of them may have been even illegal or unusual of nature or banned for one reason or another by the Catholic Church, which was banning a lot of books at that current time. And this library became the the safe repository for all those because it was made of stone and not wood. It was a structure that could not be easily destroyed anymore because it was built out of a citadel wall. And it is big, dark, and ominous. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. I know you would. So, uh... Deep cellar, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just what we need. Modify that to be a no longer broken idea of it excellent and then my project finishes which was just tilling <laughs> tilling the land so that i i think is pretty simple we, we successfully of you. successfully of tilled the land i think now we can also mark off books and food are no longer scarcity food i don't think so quite yet because we haven't planted anything oh true true but true books we can say, like, between the small handful of books we brought with us, yes. and then some of the books that we found that weren't quite well, that weren't destroyed by yeah. the collapse of the library. It's no longer scarce. I don't know if we call. Yeah, it I'm an not going to call it an abundance because we don't. I imagine a lot of the books that the monastery had here were destroyed, and yes. we didn't bring a ton of them, so it's enough to bring it off of scarcity, but right. not enough to move it to abundance. All right, so I just erased the vines and stuff that I had drawn in uh, the fields. Did I pick an action for mine? I did not. No, you did. You discovered the trees. 
Oh, okay. Oh, the, my project. Yes, your project succeeded. It it's still my. It's my turn. My bad. Um. So I think. I mean, I'm just gonna go. I'm the one. I'm, I'm the one playing it safe here. But Weird. I think I'm gonna plant what seeds we have with us. Some turnips. Yeah, I think we probably brought some root vegetables, some stuff that keeps well. So some turnips and potatoes. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of squash. Maybe a little bit of wheat. I think that we probably, like, knowing that we were going to have to settle somewhere, we grabbed some seeds, but not necessarily a lot of any given seed and not necessarily the biggest variety. Yeah, it's, you know, turnips, onions. Yeah. Stuff you shove in a stew. Um, So let's call it, I think, I mean, I, we could just do planting them, but I feel like that's just silly because that's another one-week project. So let's call it maybe a six-week project and that's... All planting them and then our first kind of harvest harvesting i think six weeks is fair for that it's going to take a little while to for the whole process for them to grow yeah. once they're planted all right and that is my turn all righty then still in spring hmm what oh actually what's i think we got backed up I think both of those resolved on your turn, because this you answered this card. So I think you do have an action. I think we screwed that up. That's why I was asking. Okay. Alright, so I'm gonna take that six well, no. back. We're gonna continue and then it will be my action. Okay. To redcon it, so pull the card. You are right. up. So now it's my turn. <sighs> yeah. You gotta start getting a little dangerous. What natural predators roam this area? It's got to be wolves, man. Oh, it does. Is there are wolves out in these woods. By your old creepy building. By the old creepy building. But we notice that their eyes, when the first time we see them, A, their eyes are an unusual amber color. And I mean, wolves' eyes are already kind of yellow. Yeah, yeah there I was going to say. But this is like a, it's semi-translucent mm. and very deep amber. Almost luminescent. Yeah. And we haven't seen them up close, but we have seen them in the woods looking at us with their odd, strangely intelligent amber eyes. All right, so that takes down to five, and now I pick an action. I stole your save one, so you can make a mess, messed up one now. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if that's like water or a rat. Or spooky ghosts. A ghost. Have you ever decided to go hunt ghosts for one of your episodes? No, but that's tempting, because that is a super creepy noise. We can bring out an old Polaroid, see if we can catch some orbs. Yeah. I did that once for a high school project. I went to a graveyard and hunted nice. ghosts. And- I did a really cool ghost tour when I was in Dublin, Ireland. Mm, that would have been awesome. It? Um, and it was pretty cool to visit a bunch of these like weird pseudo-haunted spots. Best ghost tour I ever went on was down in New Orleans. That, I want really want to go to New Orleans and do some ghost tours down there. And get blackout drunk. Of course. Of course, you're going to see ghosts when you're in Nolens. You're drunk all the time. 
Anywho, what the hell were we talking about before our ghosts distracted us? Yes. I think I'm going to discover something new. Ooh. Which is one night, we've seen the wolves primarily. Correct. But one one night, there's a lot. This might actually be a good chance to role play out a scene. Yeah. Chupacabra attack. Yeah. Yeah. So, we are awoken in the middle of the night to a roaring. Let's play two characters that go out to see what the the roaring is. Okay. Uh, So, what is your name going to be? Oh, I'll be Andre. Captain Andre. Andre. I think I will be... Francois. Francois Chambert. And Andre Milas. Milas. So I, I, I wake up. Francois wakes up and he's kind of groggy. Uh, and he, he shakes you, Andre, and he's like, I'm, there's a sound outside. We should go. Do you have your sword? And this is actually the, back in the day of black powder still, so. Probably. I have a flintlock or matchlock. What the hell did they have back then? Might be a matchlock. A pistol. We'll just call it a pistol. You have a pistol. Single shot pistol. So I think we've all probably been staying in the sanctuary. It seems like probably the safest place to. Yes, we haven't actually built any. Yeah, we haven't built any permanent structures. It's either that or the library. library. Screwed up priorities, I guess. Yeah. So we, we step outside, and that roar is almost deafening. Mon Dieu. And coming from the direction of the woods, there's a large bear charging towards the hole in the wall. I think Francois, he's a, he's a poet. Of course. Immediately kind of screams and takes a few steps back. What does Andre do? Sheet. He levels his flintlock, cocks it back because he keeps it loaded. Of course. And fires at the charging beast. I think at first, when the bullet hits the bear, you don't think that it worked. Which isn't great because it's a single shot pistol. Sheath. It continues to barrel towards you. But you notice that instead of running now, it is spinning. And you were able to hit it dead between the eyes, but the momentum it had carried it forward. And it rolls a few times and stops a few feet in front of you. And you notice that its eyes are also that odd, intelligent yellow. But you also notice that it isn't bleeding. What is it's bleeding? But it's not blood that's coming from its wounds. It's a thick amber liquid that almost looks like tree sap. Francois, pick yourself up. I know. I'm. I'm sorry. I've never been charged by a bear before. It happens from time to time. You have to fight the Russians to get used to it. I remember with Napoleon, 
the Russians charging us on bears. Those crazy bastards. Well, I, I suppose at least we have have some meat now. I would not touch that with my mouth. Look. And I, poke, I, I take my cavalry saber out and just kind of poke. Like, just specifically, like, I'm going to insert it along the throat and make sure it's dead. It is, it is very dead. And that same thick tree sap like fluid leaks out from the. Francois, that is not blood, in case you were unaware. And it does not look like it. Does it have a unique smell? It smells like blood. It smells like blood. It's got that coppery kind of... Coppery smell to it. This is very unsettling. Burn it. Are you going to burn it? Yes. Not right. Maybe outside of the... Okay. Yes. But so we'll, we'll figure we might be able to play with that a little bit. Yeah. Alright, so that was my Discover Something New. Uh, so that was my action, so it is your turn now. Alrighty then, let's see what the next card is. Oh, I got two very good options here. Mm. I'm going to choose, this has got to be the one. There is a disquieting legend about this place. What? Mm. What is it? Yeah, that's a good... When the new moon shows, and in case people don't know what that is, it is when the moon is completely dark. You cannot see it. There is strangely colored lights showing off to the northwest from the direction of the druidic circle that you are aware of. All right. Well, that's... Not disquieting at all. No. All right, so that Mm. ticks down to four. I think I'm going to do something generic again. Well, not again. I just stole your generic thing. But it was obvious. We don't actually have shelter. Yeah. So I'm thinking inside near the well and everything else we're going to do. We're going to build some generic structures. Three weeks? Yeah, I think... if we want to just build some very basic kind of slapdash, a couple of buildings for Maybe people to wood stay in. stone. And we- yeah, we have, we have a forest very close by. We still have a lot of the walls. Let's erase one of the walls to show the stone we took. For the library. For the library. Um, but we still have quite a bit of wall around us. So I think that's a good... Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, if we want to do something a little bit more permanent, we could eventually soup it up, but I think three weeks is good for just a quick... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't look happy. I'm just intrigued. Alright, I think I'm gonna answer the first question on this. Are there children in the community? If so, if there are, what is their role? So I don't think there are a lot of kids. I think that the group that left did not... A lot of them didn't have children um, the ones that did maybe had some older children that went away and died in the war. Mm-hmm. But we do have, let's say, maybe six kids in the, like, 8 to 12 range. And I think because we are a group that believes so 
heavily in both our separation and the importance of arts and knowledge that we as a group have taken to the children have kind of become children of the community and less of the individual parents. And our community is teaching them the trades we know and the art we know and having them spend lots of time in the library reading and preparing them to take over this community because we want this community to remain separate and keep its identity. Keep it strong, intelligent, independent. Yes. And so we realized that there's A, an importance of potentially having more kids. Yes. And B, making sure that the kids we have in the community are... Self-sufficient. Self-sufficient in like the proper receptacles of our lineage. So these tick down. We have two weeks left on your housing project. We have three weeks left on my planting and growing project. I think we need to start taking the turn. We need to discover something new. All right. And that is, while one of the kids is in the library... They, I don't think the kids, because they're in the 8 to 12 range, are probably taking terribly well to this role that we have foisted upon them. Crammed down their throats. Um, And so, like, when they spend time in the library, we don't necessarily monitor them terribly close. We just tell them to go in and read. Mm -hmm. And so, a couple of the kids are playing around, and they find that there is a hidden door. In the floor of this library building. We didn't redo the floor. The floor was still intact. Intact, And it leads into a cellar. Cellar or catacombs? Catacombs. That are filled with books and scrolls. So I think we now have an abundance of books. There we go. But we'll have to explore more why... These these would be hidden away. Mm, That's my turn. All right. Let's see. Still in the spring. Hmm. I love the chuckle. And we're going to go, an old man confesses to past crimes and atrocities. What has he done? Mm, That's a good one. So, I need to create an old man. Call him... The old man will be Jean Baptiste Calbert. Calbert? Yeah, K L E B E R. All right, and what is Jean Baptiste Calbert's past crime? He betrayed the great Napoleon Bonaparte. He was one of his military advisors and basically was a spy. Hmm. That is no good at all. All right, so your housing project goes down to one. My planting project goes down to two. And you get an action. I think we should have a discussion. All right. I have a question for you. All right. How does the community react to Jean-Baptiste's crimes? How should we react? How do they? Oh, I'm going to get a little weird with it. Yeah. I think they, I mean, I think they put him to death. How? I think that uh, Andre beheads him in 
the chapel. Mm. While everyone, including the children, are forced to watch. Because this is what becomes of those who betray our beliefs. And our beliefs might not lie with Napoleon necessarily anymore. But they did at one point, and he betrayed those beliefs. And we do not. So all those who betray us, off with their head. Yes. And a quick caveat, we throw the body into the river. I like it. All right. All right, I created a character, immediately killed him. What you got? We're still in spring, by the way. We are. Whew. You see a bad omen. What is it? So while someone is kind of keeping an eye on the forest, which we try to do these days because there's wolves out there, there's that odd bear that we still haven't actually dealt with the body of. Oh, yes. The sappy bear. Someone, someone notices that the trees that obscured the building, not like the whole forest, but if the few trees that were obscuring the building from view are gone. And it's now a door where there previously was not one. In the old building. Okay, then. So my planting project goes down to one. And your housing project finishes. So what does that look like? I think we're going to have a couple just small... Like, maybe have a couple small buildings for, like, family units. And maybe, like, one or two large lodge sections for maybe the single folk, men, and then women separate. That are, that are not necessarily hitched. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good starting place for housing. Like a barracks almost. Yeah. Alright, and now I get an action. I think that we are going to send... Let's give him... Give me a good French name since you have that list up. Uh, Emmanuel Sheaf. Sheaf? Sheaf. How is that spelled? S C. H-I-E-F. All right. Emmanuel Sheaf, back in our old days, was a librarian. And what's another term for paper? Sheaf. There you go. Uh, It works out perfectly. You didn't even know. So we're going to send Emmanuel into the basement of the library to begin exploring and cataloging Mm. the tomes that are down there. So I think I want that to be a, a not necessarily a six-week project, but a fairly long, like three or four weeks of like... I gotta say, I mean, depending upon how archaic this stuff is, I mean, we did say our folk are kind of knowledgeable. Yeah, and I don't think like there are some books that he's probably going to have to bring other people in to Help. really investigate, but that's more of a secondary project. This he's is more, more cataloging, just, right? just seeing what's down there organizing it to some extent. So I think like a four week project maybe where it's like a yeah. good Yeah, it's a good month. A good month of him getting everything organized. Organizing it, yeah. And then we can kinda like if we need a poet to examine an old poetry text or a Latin scholar to to read 
yes. some of the old Latin texts. We could we could do that, but this is more of specifically cataloging. Alrighty then. So that was so your you, action. Yeah. So you get a card. Still in the spring. Hmm. Gosh. All right. I'm going to choose the other one because we have some projects currently going on. A charismatic young girl tries to tempt many into sinful or dangerous activity. It's always that one. Why does she do this? And how does the community respond? (laughs) It's my favorite card in the entire freaking game. Yes. The sinful... You won't go sinful. We're going to go dangerous. Okay. Might be sinful, depending upon how you... She is tempted... Not necessarily tempted, but... She's curious, like a cat. That's her name, Catherine. Catherine, when she noticed that stone structure in the distance, the trees that have moved, the door that is open, she can't let it go. Are you saying that the cat is curious? This cat is very curious. And she is trying to convince her fellow kids go explore. The community is terrified of this idea. It's not a good idea. And are obviously suppressing. And it is like an M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Do not go out past the trees at night. Mm. That's how we're going to handle that. So So Cat is being a curious kitten. Wanting to go play in the creepy stone building because she just can't help herself. Yeah. All right. So the library goes down to three and the planting finishes. So I think we we plant some. I think we divide up the two fields that are there into four fields. We got some turnips. We got some onions. And we'll draw some lines to show that things are growing. Do we think, I, I still think... Not in abundance. Yeah, let's erase food from scarcity. I would say once we fix the beast of burdens under scarcity, we can then move food as a whole to... An abundance. An abundance. That makes sense. All right. So I think I'm going to hold a discussion, and I will ask you the question, how should we alleviate our scarcity of solitude? How should we try to keep the people who come to this crossroads out. Well, seeing as we're mostly on the southern side of the bridge, we can either destroy said bridge or we can travel over to the crossroads and potentially remove the fourth branch from it so that it's not as obvious that you can head into. Yeah. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to destroy the bridge because I think that we may eventually need to cross it for various purposes. Yeah. But I do think, I think that we should work on rebuilding these walls and possibly make them taller. Maybe even instead of just doing it there, if we put a gatehouse, at the bridge. That's not a bad idea. Because that'll take the least amount of resources. 
and there's we have the mountains and the forests protecting us to our south, west, and east. We have the river, and we have a choke point at the bridge. So if we put a if we we go straight the phrase, and we put a gatehouse on our side of the bridge, controlling people coming over, that could work too. We'll see. I, I like the idea. We'll, just had. We will see. I uh, think I have a project in mind. It's your turn. Still in the spring. Hmm. Gosh. You know what? We're all about inclusion in this particular group. So I'm going to go with this one. Are there distinct family units in the community? If so, what family structures are common? You kind of alluded to it already. But we're more of like a even though there might be families, but it's more of like a communal family where like the raising with children is just not up to the parents. It's up to the community. So I think that's how the family structure is where yes, the kids are fed by the parents and they live in a house with the parents, but the rearing is more of a group. It's not necessarily you just, send your kid off to school or they learn your particular trade because they've been, it's more of, oh no, they get a more renaissance approach toward education where they know a lot about many things. And then in the end, we fit them into the community where they fit best. If, yeah. I like if that. They If they happen to show that they're a very excellent cobbler then guess what they're going to be built they're going to be making shoes for the community yeah. that kind of thing here's a question to, to kind of fill that out how is punishment handled is that solely in the hands of the biological parents or like are children allowed to be punished by anyone i would think it would depend upon what the kid did okay so, like, more less severe punishment can be handled by anyone. More severe, yes. Like, if for instance, like if some if they commit a a crime, not a crime, but if they do something that is without outside of social norms against a specific individual in the community, you could hand out like you could slap the child, and the parents would be like, "What did you do to make?" Francois smack you upside the head because he wouldn't do that otherwise. Yeah. I know him. I think that's fair. All right. So the library project takes down to two and you get an action. I'm going to start a project and I've been inspired by you. We're going to use this project to help alleviate our scarcity of solitude. I want to build a gatehouse at the bridge. All right. Using some of the old wall we have laying around. I think I'm actually going to take a piece of contempt for that. Because my group wants to fortify the wall. And my group wants, wants to, to build a gatehouse. So okay. I think that they're a little perturbed. Particularly because you're going to use stone from the wall to build the gatehouse. Now how long do you think this should take? I think it's going to be a purely stone structure that's semi protected Are you thinking like... It kind of covers both sides of the ga- of the bridge and like I'm bars think- bars. I'm thinking a gatehouse, like say off to the side. Okay, and 
maybe uh, elevate it a second story so you could have a little bit of overlook and then maybe a wooden gate over the bridge over the bridge that you could close and bar all right i think that's probably going to be like five five four or five weeks let's say five weeks yeah because it's a big it's a pretty big undertaking yeah all right so we have the gatehouse going up and i have a little yellow and brown anger shell anger shell Thank you to Christopher Zumsky for joining me on this strange journey. Thank you to Avery Alder for the incredible game, The Quiet Year. I recommend you pick it up right away. Thank you to Pelgrain Press for their review copy of the Yellow King RPG. Thank you to you for listening. Our theme song is Everybody Knows My Name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join me on November 21st for Part 2, The Complete History of Croix-Voix, 1814. Until then. Remember that you are strong, you are beautiful, and you are not alone. I took my love